0: Well, good morning, everybody. Um, To you here in the venue, this is amazing to be together on Good Friday morning. Uh, And to you at home, wherever you might be, um, it's one of those times when you could be anywhere. Um, Some of you know our family, um, our own children and grandchildren live in Sydney, Australia. So they've been telling us about their Good Friday. Uh, Isn't that amazing? From the east to the west, people will be gathering uh, to remember Uh, Christ on this Good Friday. Uh, And it's been such a special week. I hope that you've plugged in uh, and you've been part of of this holy week where we have taken time to remember to retrace the steps of Jesus uh, as he moved towards the cross. And we're here now uh, on Good Friday to give our attention to that. And we've noticed that it's been a very personal time for Jesus as he's interacted uh, with many people. And we've seen his commitment and determination. And so we ask the question, why? Why? Because he was fulfilling God's plan and purpose and love for mankind. We've been impressed that he was doing this very personally. It's a message for us, for you personally today. And we've been impressed with his attitude, with his actions, and with his words. We have focused this past week on the book of Mark, and this morning we read from Mark's gospel. Yet I want to take us into a wider context of jesus ministry and sacrifice and draw from all four gospels as the writers recorded jesus actual words and as we do so we join jesus disciples of every generation those first disciples so that we can be confident in our faith we can be effective in our witness we can be grateful to God for a teacher and for a Savior who has made it possible, who has prepared us to live out the Christian life in all its fullness. Can I press pause for a moment? Because I've got an exercise for you over this weekend. Are you up for this? I want you to take out your Bible uh, and I want you to actually find a Bible. I hope that you've got one. Uh, you can see I'm a little older, so I still read from the book. Um, but this Bible in particular is helpful because it's got the words of Jesus in red, and they jump out at you. And uh, in John's Gospel, there's this wonderful account from John chapter 13 to 21, that's what, eight chapters. Um, Jesus speaks personally to His disciples, they are words of encouragement that were for them at the time, but they are words of encouragement for us, for each of you. Will you do that? It's an amazing thing for you to do. As a Christ follower, you'll be encouraged yourself. But if you're looking into the claims of Christ and you're saying, what is it all about? You too will see what Jesus had to say, and, and he'll say it to you personally. So go for that uh, over uh, this this Easter weekend. John chapter 13 to chapter 21. All right. So uh, after um, uh, you've done that, and of course, as we look back over the years, uh, we've acknowledged, we've benefited from Jesus' words. And they're recorded for us in the Gospels. Um, and today on Good Friday uh, 2021, I want you to hear these words Of Jesus. They're words which describe deep compassion and concern for people. They're words which describe the painful experience of carrying out God's will. And yes, in a day like this we must again focus our hearts and our minds on the horror of such a gruesome trial and death. Crucified on a cross, We must focus our hearts on the amazing love of God. The significance and meaning of Calvary. But friends, we must also, we must not miss what Jesus said. And so our Bibles record seven statements that Jesus made. And they're drawn from each of the four Gospels. And let's take a look and listen together. Those of you who know the Psalms. Would have seen a little word in italics that says selah you seen it the word selah simply means let's stop let's think about that before we carry on and today it's totally appropriate to have those selah moments and so once i've read each statement we're going to pause and selah and to think about what jesus said before we rush on to the next one are you okay with that it's a beautiful time to reflect on jesus words so firstly here we see this morning words of pardon jesus utters words of pardon jesus said father forgive them for they do not know what they are doing father forgive them for they do not know what they are doing Words spoken in the context of both those who had conducted Jesus' trial, those who had whipped and beaten him and mocked and jeered and nailed him to the cross. Yes, words to them, but words to all mankind of every generation, to you and to me, who have sinned against God. Here are precious and powerful words of pardon for all people with reference to their sin, with reference to our sin. Listen to what Paul said when he wrote to the Romans. He says this, For all have sinned, all for short of God's glorious standard. Yet now God in His gracious kindness declares us not guilty, and He has done this through Christ Jesus, who has freed us by taking away our sins, For God sent Jesus to take the punishment for our sins and to satisfy God's anger against us. We are made right with God when we believe that Jesus shed his blood, sacrificing his life for us. Jesus made it possible for our sins to be forgiven. Someone say, thank you, Lord. You endorse it, John endorsed it when he says this, 1 John 1, he says, If we say we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and refusing to accept the truth. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. But, But if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. Words of pardon. Salah. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Secondly, we see words of promise. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. The words that Jesus said to that criminal who asked to be remembered. Who submitted to Christ's kingdom in that moment. What wonderful words of promise for one whose sins had just been forgiven. And it's a promise that's repeatedly recorded in scripture. Listen to an example that we find in Acts chapter 2 verse 21. It says this, anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. And we know as we read through that chapter that thousands came uh, to know Jesus. Thousands were saved and millions since then. Us today, many more to come. Perhaps someone, you today, someone sitting here, someone at home will say yes to Jesus. Salah. I tell you the truth. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Words of promise. Thirdly, we read about words of provision. And Jesus said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And Jesus said to John, his disciple, Here is your mother. And friends, the fact that Jesus, when he was bearing the weight of all the sin that has ever been and will ever be, He takes the time to sort out family arrangements. And it tells us something very important. Because through Jesus' direct intervention from the cross, Mary and John find a place of belonging together. A new relationship of parent and son. On one level, this demonstrates Jesus' deep love for his mother and friend and the importance he always attached to having time for individuals, but it also points to the new relationship Jesus had made possible for us, for you and for me to be the much-loved children of our heavenly Father. A new home and a new place of belonging for eternity. Selah. Think about that. Jesus' words of provision. He made time for us to know that we belong to him that he cares about us belonging together. And so we see in these first three statements that Jesus made, deep compassion and concern that Jesus had for people. But now in the next statements, we're going to see the painful experience of carrying out God's will. And so next, number four, we see words of isolation. Words of isolation. As Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? Now, do you think that Jesus was questioning God's sovereign plan? No, he wasn't, not at all. In fact, he was quoting the prophetic words of the first line of Psalm 22. And this was a deep expression of anguish as he took on the sins of the world and thus he was separated from his father. And this is what Jesus dreaded He prayed about that in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yes, the physical agony was horrible. But even worse was the period of spiritual separation from God. Do you get it? Can you picture that? But here's the beauty. Jesus endured this double suffering so that we, you, And I would not have to experience eternal separation from God. Rather to spend eternity with him. He was separated then so that we would not need to be separated from God eternally. Thank you, Jesus. Selah. Words of isolation jesus said my god my god why have you forsaken me number five we we see words we hear words of desolation where jesus said I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty. So so why do you think this was recorded? Why do you think this is so important? Because here we have another, another vital reminder of Jesus' true humanity. Yes, he was God, but he was also man. And he lived as a man, he suffered and he had needs just as you and I would have. And so quite understandably all that he'd gone through, he was thirsty. But you must notice that the drink that is mentioned here is not to be confused with that wine mixed with myrrh which was offered and refused on the way to the cross, which was intended to dull the pain. No, he refused that. Rather, this was the wine that was drunk by the soldiers as they were waiting around. And Jesus being very human in that moment was thirsty. And it's significantly, it's significantly quoted just by John. Why? Because John was there. He witnessed this for himself. And we see this terrible desolation. Jesus said, I'm, I'm thirsty. ah, Let's think about that before we carry on. Then we come to words of termination. Jesus said, It is finished. Jesus said, It is finished. So important for us to understand this proclamation of termination was not a sigh of defeat. As we might say at the end of the day, it's finished. But no, this was a mighty statement of victory. And what is quoted in John 19 verse 30, Matthew 27 verse 50 says that he cried with a loud voice. No whimpering here, no futile lament, but a shout of triumph, it is finished. The task has been completed, the obligation has been fulfilled, it is finished, it's paid in full. The entire plan and work of God's redemption has been brought to completion on the cross through Jesus. Someone say amen. amen. For sure, the old way of redemption had been a complicated System where the sacrifice of animals was a feature. And because people continued to sin, frequent sacrifices were required. But no more. Jesus became the final and complete and ultimate sacrifice for sin. And now we are freely forgiven. We can freely approach God through Christ. And those who believe in Jesus' death and resurrection will receive this new life, will live eternally, will escape death, which is the penalty for sin. It is finished. Powerful last words of Jesus. Silla, Silla, it is finished. And then number seven, words of Resignation. Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And so with dignity conscious of a work completed, these words of resignation echo Jesus' earlier words, In the garden of Gethsemane. Do you remember them? He said this, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. And in these final words, we see the fulfillment of God's prophesied plan. We see the consistency of scripture. Let me give you three examples. Jesus here quotes Psalm 31, verse 5, which says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The second example is Jesus being in control. That's so important. He was in control, he gave up his soul, committing it to God. Listen to the words uh, of John 10. John 10, verse 18 says this No one can take my life from me. I lay it down voluntarily, for I have the right to lay it down when I want to, and also the power to take it again. For my Father has given me this command. Another scripture consistent fulfillment of the prophetic word then thirdly jesus offered himself to god as a perfect sacrifice for our sins listen to hebrews hebrews chapter 9 verse 13 and 14 it says this under the old system the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow could cleanse people's body from ritual defilement Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our hearts from deeds that lead to death so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Awesome. Brilliant. Wonderful. Amazing words from God. Selah. Selah. Let's stop and think about that before we carry on. Jesus said, Not my will, but yours be done. We've stood at the foot of the cross this morning and heard words of pardon, words of promise, words of provision, words of isolation, of desolation, of termination, of resignation. And I'm going to invite the band to come up because we're going to continue to focus on the Savior. We're going to continue to listen to his words as we we look to this table, this table of remembrance, and look at words of reminder. Early on in John's gospel, we know this so well, but listen to them again. Hear God say this to you, for God so loved the world. For God so loved you and you and you and me, that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God loves us so much. He loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. It's amazing love. It's deep love. Can we just express thanks to that love as we stand together here at home and just sing about this love of God? Let's do that together.